Matt Hicks, the FF Educator, back with John Love, the Gridiron Scholar, for our Senior Bowl Wide Receiver Preview episode, part one. John, there are 16 wide receivers, some of the best in the class, heading down to Mobile. Examining the depth of this group is going to be really critical for understanding the draft class in general. And John, I'm not exaggerating when I say this week is huge for some of these wide receiver prospects. We will see guys rise rapidly up rankings and we will see some guys hurt their draft stock as well. The senior bowl, John, for wide receivers may be the most valuable position in terms of draft capital. Why don't you start this episode by telling us a little bit about that historical context at the position? Yeah, I did a little bit of research. And last year, 106 senior bowl invites were drafted, Matt. That's 82% of the participants. Now, that includes all the positions, but that is a lot of players earning draft capital and playing in the NFL. Then I went back for the last four years at the wide receiver position. Who did we see who really increased their stock at the senior bowl? Last year, it was by far Christian Watson. Christian Watson, which we called, which we we called. called. We liked him beforehand and he was great in one-on-one drills. And he had that six week stretch this year in fantasy football of absolute goodness 2021 nico collins remember we had not seen him in COVID. he didn't play that year he went down to the senior bowl josh palmer tennessee Kadarius tony florida now you can say what you want he was a first round pick and even this year ben skoranek who i started in the dfs twice this year and i think i had to start him i have a one a deep dynasty team with like 30 man rosters So he was on the Senior Bowl. We saw him. 2020. I know you loved him. I loved him. Michael Pittman of USC. Oh, yeah. And Brandon Ayuk, who I was really in love with from Arizona State. And then 2019. Look at these players, Matt. The star was Debo Samuel. And you began to heard rumors about how good Debo was in one-on-one drills at the Senior Bowl. But then you had Terry McLaurin at Ohio State. And he didn't have a great profile, but people who'd watched him, you saw him in one-on-one drills. You were impressed. At least I was. Jacoby Myers, who was the best wide receiver on New England this year. He was at the Senior Bowl. And Hunter Renfro coming Mm -hmm. from Clemson. So the Senior Bowl gives us a lot of good players that we have to pay attention to for fantasy football, Matt. All right. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you comment. Let us know which prospects you are most excited to see at the Senior Bowl. Give us the like. Subscribe. After the Senior Bowl previews, John, it's rookie profile season. So you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform. John, we're going to start here on the part one episode with Rashi Rice. Now, we it was you know 16 guys. We didn't want to cram them into one episode. So 
there wasn't a super clean way to break them down, but I roughly separated them. We have seven guys who I think profile a little bit more as X receivers, which will be featured on today's episode. On the part two episode, well, guys that are a little bit more of that flanker or Z wide receiver. And then uh, there's seven of those guys. And then there's two slot guys. So we split them up. So we're going to finish each episode with a slot guy. Of course, NFL teams are going to move these guys around. It's not a clean projection, but we're just trying to, you know, break them up into somewhat groups. So starting with Rashi Rice here, I can tell you, John, from my Twitter timeline, from the YouTube comments I get, probably the most popular guy we're going to talk about on either one of these episodes, okay? Rice has sticky hands. He's a playmaker at all three levels. I love when the wide receivers can be difference makers at all three levels of the field. I love his ball tracking, John. I love his ability to extend his frame and go up and snag off target balls. I think that's why people love him, right? That's a feature that Twitter loves a lot is the ability to go off target, go and get the balls. There's athleticism. I love his consistent body positioning. I think that's an underrated trait for a wide receiver when you're watching tape on them. A lot to like about Rashi Rice. And John, you are the resident American Athletic Conference lover on this podcast. So I'm sure you have uh, seen a lot of Rashi Rice here over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm really trying to temper my expectations because he played in the group of five. And we're going to talk that about that in the second episode. So give that a listen, everyone, the difference between G5 and P5 prospects. The first thing you've noticed, if you watch a lot of Rasheed Rice, Matt, you cannot ignore he has NFL size, 6'2", 203 pounds. He has the physical nature and the body of an X receiver, clearly a Z receiver. There's no question about that. In my book, at SMU, he has played with some really good teammates, Matt. James Brochet, Reggie Roberson, and Danny Gray. So the numbers in the production model are good for the four years on campus, but he really doesn't explode until this season where you're like, oh my God, those numbers are ridiculously good. He was a three-star recruit coming out of Texas. How many great players come out of Texas at the wide receiver position? So for a three-star recruit at Texas, he ends up at a group of five program. He played well as a freshman, Matt. He wasn't like, you know, he wasn't Kayshawn Bouti. But let's be fair, in a deep locker room, he had 25 catches and he averaged 16.1 yards per catch as a freshman. That's impressive. But I alluded to it. Last year, he finally exploded. 96 receptions, Matt, 1,355 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Look at the chart if you are watching us on YouTube. His aerial dominator was 35%. That is stupendous, Matt, for a wide receiver. Five times he had over nine catches in a game. He was peppered all the time with plethora of targets and he secured the catch he was ap all-american second team and all aac first team in his career he had 10 games with over 100 yards receiving matt the production model likes him 233 career receptions 13.4 yards per catch i like to see 15 but the locker room was deep and he wasn't always their home run hitter like him a lot, Matt. If he gets day two draft capital, Rasheed Rice will explode in dynasty rankings. He absolutely will. John, 
Puka Nakao is the top guy for me heading into Senior Bowl week. So he's the highest ranked guy that we're going to talk about in either one of these episodes. I think he has just as high of a ceiling as Rishi Rice, if not higher. All right, looking at Puka here, he started his career at Washington, was underutilized in an offense that many people were underutilized in, transfers to BYU, and he is a well-rounded playmaker. All right, he has all the traits you need to be a fantasy football impact player. He wins off the line of scrimmage with a nice step. He speeds up quickly, works along the sideline. He's 6'1", So he works really well along the sidelines in and of uh, just, you know, focusing specifically on that part of his game. But then you add in really dynamic ability to make plays after the catch. BYU actually gave him the ball behind the line of scrimmage. He was taking handoffs from the uh, running back, you know, set as a running back here. You know, back to his pass catching ability, John. He's a great ball tracker. He's super athletic. So we're seeing this really versatile prospect. You mentioned Debo Samuel saw his draft stock rise. I'm not one-to-one -one comparing him to Debo Samuel, but I'm telling you right now, people will, all right? People will make that one-to-one -one comparison because he has a very similar skill set to Debo in that way. And at the Senior Bowl, you mentioned it, those individual drills. You get to see players isolated. And I think one-on-one, -on -one, Puka is going to make some defensive backs look absolutely silly. I think after Mobile, he's going to be a locked-in day-two draft pick, and he could even push a top-50 selection, John. I agree with you, man. I like him a ton. Now, I do have Rice over Puka right now, but it's very close between the two young men. And I count BYU as a group of five program. The only power five program of an independent school is Notre Dame. All the others are listed in my book under group of five. And you mentioned Debo Samuel. My friends, I watch way too much BYU football. One, I had Puka on all my college teams. And here's what was interesting this year. And I think you saw this on tape and I saw it throughout the season, Matt. He carried the football 25 times for 209 yards. But more importantly, he scored five touchdowns on the ground. And that's the Debo Samuel impact. I don't think he's as good of a prospect or as physical as Debo, but he is good with the football on those jet sweeps. You could even line him up in the backfield. There are similarities there. He has NFL size, 6'2", 205 pounds. So there's going to be a lot to like about this young man in high school. He was a four-star prospect from Utah. In 2018, he was a Utah State Gatorade Player of the Year. And Utah, USA Today's All-Utah Player of the Year. He enrolls at Washington, and he played for the Huskies for two years, Matt. Didn't really do very much. 16 receptions for 319 yards and three touchdowns. He made a business decision. In 2021, he transferred to BYU, and he got on the field immediately for the Cougars. He led the team in receiving his first season on campus. 43 receptions for 805 yards and six touchdowns. Matt, he averaged 8.7 yards per catch. He was a tremendous home run hitter. In 2022, he missed three games of the injury, which hurt my fantasy teams early. I was so happy to get him back. And he did not play in BYU's bowl game. He still led the Cougars in receptions with 48 for 625 yards and five touchdowns, averaging 13 yards per catch. 
Look at that aerial dominator, 23% in 2021. I like that. Catch percentage is nice at 64.2. I like the career numbers, but I put them in perspective. He really only played about one and three quarter season for BYU, and he didn't get on the field much, put it into context. That's why the total career numbers are a little lower. Xavier Hutchinson is not somebody with low career numbers. That is for sure. He has been the definition of consistency for the Iowa State program here over the last couple of years. And I got to tell you, John, you know, this is why it's so important to watch tape over time because I've, you know, watched Xavier Hutchinson the last couple of years, you know, just um, there's plenty of Iowa State prospects that have come out the last couple of years, right? So you just catch these players and, and, you know, his tape has always been solid, but I think he took a huge uh, leap forward here in the 2022 uh, season. He comes in at 6'3", 210. I think he projects out to a mid-round pick. So there's going to be a lot of teams that need a big man uh, to put on the outside but won't want to spend that top draft capital. Think like the Baltimore Ravens in the pick 90 region, right? <laughs> they would love a guy like Xavier Hutchinson, a well-rounded wideout. He has a nice skill set with a large frame, consistent hands. He displays the ability to catch any pass thrown his way. And that really does mean something. The quarterback play dropped off significantly this year, which is maybe one of the reasons that I appreciated him more. You really saw that off-target pass-catching ability. And listen, I know it's Brock Purdy season and everybody's excited about him, but he was very inconsistent at Iowa State. Oh, why, yes! Yeah, and and Xavier Hutchinson made him look consistent, right? So that off-target ability has really been there for a while for Xavier Hutchinson. I like the way for a big man, he can create space directly off the line of scrimmage. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't burn in terms of his speed, but he has good quickness and he has the ability to move laterally and he'll do fine in the 40 yard dash for being six, three. So I think there's a lot of versatility to like here with Xavier Hutchinson, another guy, you know, I'm thinking of those one-on-one the cornerback wide receiver where they isolate them, put them along the sideline, kind of give them that jump ball type uh, drill. I think Xavier Hutchinson in that space, we're going to see a couple clips of him and we're going to get pretty excited about it. Fascinating player this year, Matt. And when I was breaking down the film, and this is not an insult, but I will tell you the comp. And I'm not a big comp guy, anyone. I don't make a lot of them when we're doing our shows. But every once in a while, a comp pops up. You know who I thought of? Chase Claypool at Notre Dame. There's so many similarities in his game. He's big. He's physical. He runs a lot of short routes. You know, he's just so good in that intermediate area. And he lined up in the slot sometimes where he can just dominate people. You put him in a production model and there's going to be some items that pop up. 254 career receptions is impressive. You mentioned his size. There's no question about that. Look at that aerial dominator rating, 37.3%. There are some red flags. One. Late breakout player. He played at a Juco school. We'll talk about that. And he only averaged 11.5 yards per reception. So there are some concerns. I didn't see a lot of great deep route running. You know, we love Garrett Wilson because he's a late separator. And we saw that with the Jets. You don't get a lot of late separation from Xavier Hutchinson deep down the field. Now, he'll use his hands and his size and body control to catch the ball. But he's a different type of player. 
And you talked about prospects from Iowa State. And this is not a knock on him. But I wonder how people will put him with Akeem Butler and Alan Lazard. Butler is not, unfortunately, hit expectations that many expected, myself included. I thought Akeem Butler would make an impact in the NFL. Alan Lazard has been good. I have him on a bunch of Debbie teams. I start him all the time when you're starting five wide receivers sometimes. So I like Alan Lazard. And what will people think of Xavier Hutchinson? In high school, he's a three-star prospect from Florida. He enrolled at Blinn College, which is a JUCO school. He kind of moves around. He finally explodes last year. 83 for 987 and five touchdowns. And that was with Brock Purdy. And he's first team all Big 12. He had a very good year. And this year, though, Matt, he had a Drake London type season, not in style, not in performance, but peppered with targets. Remember last year when we talked about Drake London, just how many targets? Look at these numbers. Xavier Hutchinson had 163 targets, 13 and a half per game. He logged six games with over 10 receptions. He is a bully and a workhorse. He had double-digit targets in each game except for the final one against TCU. His stats for the year, 107 receptions, 1,171 yards, and six touchdowns. He was a Blitnikoff Award finalist and first-team All-American. Matt, I can't wait to see, to see this young man on one-on-one drills. I think he could really move up draft boards, but we do have to see him against elite cornerbacks at the Senior Bowl. John, we're breaking all these guys down in depth. If you want to see their full profiles, we have full write-ups on all these guys. They're ranked in the context of 125 rookies. We're sharing our our Senior Bowl slides all available at patreon.com slash rookie big board. You get access to the discord. You could chop it up with us. Talk about all these guys more in depth for just $3 a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board, get access and you could save 15% today with that annual subscription. John Dontavian Wicks wide receiver out of the university of Virginia. He is the type of guy that the senior bowl exists for. In my opinion, like he really is the essence, right? We have a monster 2021 season. I'll let you break down the production, but he has a monster 2021 season in terms of production, a coaching change in terms of offensive scheme. And he just does not uh, put up the same type of numbers and his 2022 tape. But you look on tape, John, and you see a fluid wideout. You see some highlight reel catches. You see the ability for him to go up and, and, and get balls well over his head or fully lay out his body and stretch out and make that play. You see those effort catches, right? And you see a guy who can separate downfield with his speed and has some really good hands. So this is the perfect. You've seen him in two offensive contexts, right? One good, one bad. You see the traits. Let's get him in mobile. Let's get NFL coaching staffs working with him, understanding how to best highlight him. And I think Wicks is the type of guy who right now is probably more in that round four, round five conversation, but could end up sneaking his way into being a top 100 pick. Absolutely, Matt. And before this season, there were scouts who really liked Dontavian Wicks. Some people had a second round grade on him 
before the 2022 season. I wasn't that high, but I did see the athletic ability without question. And remember, Matt, last year when we were doing these shows and the previews, there weren't a lot of classic X receivers over 6-1. In this year's class, we have lots of classic X receivers with size. And we're, we're just looking at the senior bowl. Wait till we start breaking down the underclassmen. So we have bigger prospects in this year's group than we did last year. First thing with Dontavian Wicks, I had a man crush on him in 2021. I became a Virginia stan. Why? Because they were fantasy football gold. Matt, they were so good in 2021. And they were waiver wire wonders, picking up Wicks, even being able to pick up Brennan Armstrong. And they just put up so many points. How good was Wicks? 57 receptions. And Matt, this is what is mind-blowing. Over 1,200 yards receiving. 21.1 yards per catch and nine touchdowns. Just amazing deep ball home run hitter. His yards per catch led the um, Atlantic Coast Conference. And he was the fifth best in the nation. He broke Herman Moore. And I remember Herman Moore on the Lions. I remember playing Herman Moore in fantasy football. He broke his single season receiving yardage record at Virginia, which had been set in 1990. Six times he surpassed 100 yards receiving, which tied a school mark. However, Matt, you mentioned it and you alluded to it. Head coach Bronco Mendenhall resigned. And they brought in offensive coach and Robert Anay left, who went to Syracuse. They brought in Tony Elliott from Clemson. And my worst college fantasy football nightmare occurred. I did not think that Tony Elliott would just sabotage the Cavaliers offense. And Brandon Armstrong transferred this year to North Carolina State. Elliott went to a ground and pound offense when he had amazing wide receivers and a quarterback gunslinger. What did it do to Dontavian Wicks? Matt, the bottom fell out of this young man's stats. 30 receptions for 430 yards and two touchdowns. They absolutely hurt his career numbers. So production models are not going to like him. If you're a film guy, Matt, you're going to be impressed with the speed. And there are some catches, Matt, that when you watch him, you're like, oh, my God, like contorting his body, you know, kind of all out jumping like Superman and corralling the pass. Amazing. But then, Matt, he drops the easiest passes. He might have some of the worst hands in all of college football. And I don't I mean, just be honest. He drops some balls that are so frustrating. So he's a conundrum from film, guys. But athletically, size-wise, and home run-wise, I think he has a role in the NFL, Matt. All right, John, on to Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver out of Ole Miss here. Mingo's a really interesting guy. Comes in at 6'2", 215, so in a similar build of, of these other wide receivers we're talking about. To me, though, with Mingo, there's a little bit more ability to move east-west, right, that lateral agility. He accelerates well downfield for his size. Good ball tracking, all right, good handwork. He's not afraid to work in traffic. So he worked over the middle a lot, uh, comfortable taking a hit, comfortable finding uh, uh, some space in tight coverage. 
So there's a lot to like about Mingo. I think he's just been an, an underrated guy, a consistent producer in that Ole Miss offense, uh, and somebody who I think has the ability, probably still, you know, is going to stay in that day three range, but in the right NFL landing spot, if volume's involved, he could be effective. Matt, I want to like Jonathan Mingo. I was so high on him at one point two years ago. Love the coaching staff with Lane Kiffin, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Elijah Moore stepping into this offensive offensive system. He was a four-star recruit. He played in the Under Armour All-American game in 2019. And his size and physicality at 6'2", 225, Matt, I was all in. He was a true freshman. He started every game for the Rebels, but then he disappeared a little bit. And he's never, ever reached the stars like like I felt he would. Now, part of it is a junior in 2021. He missed seven games due to an injury. And in six games, he only had 22 receptions for 346 yards and three touchdowns. And I really thought, well, coming back from injury, I thought he would have a much better 2022 He just didn't do it for me. I never was wowed. A good season, 861 yards receiving on 51 receptions and five touchdowns, but not great. He never had over 400 yards receiving until this past year. I love his size. The athleticism is there. The production model, it's okay. You know, nothing that pops for me. He's an SEC receiver. Draft capital is going to determine the final value on Jonathan Mingo because he has not hit the ceiling that I had hoped. We got a pair of Stanford wideouts here, starting with Elijah Higgins. John, Elijah Higgins, really fun combination of size and speed, 6'3", 234. And it's worth pointing out here that he is listed as a wide receiver for the Senior Bowl. However, the coaching staff has already indicated that he will also play some tight end. Uh, during the week of the Senior Bowl. So we might see some positional versatility there with Elijah Higgins. Higgins is a fluid wideout for his frame. He works really well into space. Another guy that can compete and win at all three levels of the field. I like his hands. I like his ability to, to shake defenders. And I like his ability to gain yards after the catch. Stanford used him creatively, so it makes sense that the Senior Bowl staff wants to do the same. He took handoffs. They moved them all around the field, so they really got this guy involved. And again, 6'3", 230-something pounds, right? There's uh, a rawness with Higgins. You know, his route running is is still raw. It's rounded. It's not super well-developed in terms of uh, diversity of routes here. And he will struggle with body positioning and contested catch situations at times. I think this is a classic definition of somebody who was underdeveloped at Stanford. He was underutilized. We're going to talk about his stats. We'll talk about Michael Wilson's stats as well. It was difficult for these guys to really put up production. So if you're a numbers person, you're not going to like Higgins or Wilson. But I think it's important to keep in mind that the the Stanford offense did not work well. And yes, you should read into that for for any Tanner McKee analysis you want. But I also think it's a reflection on the coaching staff. So both Higgins and Wilson, we'll get to him next, are both guys who I think have the ability to really, really increase their value here over the, the course of the week in Mobile. Matt, it's such a great lead into what I have at the very top of my notebook here. 
we've got to place both these young men into context. And what does that mean? They played in a run-based offense under coach David Shaw. Yet, they did catch passes from an NFL-level prospect, Tanner McGee, and we'll be discussing him later on. But you have to look at the production model and understand that this offense is a rock star for the running backs, not for the wide receiver position. He's a four-star recruit from Bowie, Texas, and prep star dream team member. He was named the Bruce Feldman's freak list at number 32. So the athletic ability is clearly there. He didn't earn a ton of playing time until he was a junior. And that, and in 2021, he was second on the team with 44 receptions for 502 yards and four touchdowns. As a senior last year, he paced the team in receiving with 59 receptions for 704 yards and two touchdowns. The numbers are not going to pop in the production model. If you're looking at home, he has a 23% aerial dominator and only 119 receptions. But what I like about him, I think you can line him up in the slot and down on the outside. And the fact that someone is going to put him at tight end at the senior bowl at 6'3", 235, that means they saw things that both you and I probably saw on film that he's so good from the slot, he just dominated opponents. So maybe you put him at tight end with an extra 10 pounds on him. All right. And his teammate, Michael Wilson here. Wilson, a little bit smaller of a frame, 6'2", 209 here, but still a really effective player in his own right. Quick moving wide out. He covers a lot of space before and after the catch. So I could see an NFL team wanting to add him in those mid rounds and day three, just as a kind of a, another weapon in their offense. Uh, he has some twitch to his game post-catch. He shows the ability to beat defensive backs when he's given space. And again, you know, you look at a guy who, who's in an offense. It's so important. I get this question all the time. How do you evaluate guys in the context of an offense? Well, I just said Stanford struggled to be efficient. It struggled to create space. So when you have guys like Michael Wilson who can create space even under difficult situations, that to me, it, you know, it speaks volumes to how he could be utilized in the NFL. That's how we have to try to project forward sometimes and why, again, you know, it can be so helpful to see these guys in a showcase situation. So I'm excited to see Michael Wilson. Uh, you know, he runs a little bit of a simple route tree. But again, I really think that's a, a result of the offense. And I think he could be a, a well-developed guy. Maybe it takes him a year or two to really, you know, break out in the NFL. But I can see him hanging around that 53-man roster for a while. Oh, there's no question about that. And Matt. If everyone wants to know about this young man, there's a great interview from the Stanford Athletic Department where he talks about his injuries and his journey. Matt, this is one of the most impressive young men I have seen in an interview. I teach in high school. I, in, I teach in a community college. I talk to young men all the time. Michael Wilson is an outstanding human being and a very impressive person. And a football team will like that young man in their locker room. He was a four-star recruit, and he was a two-time Chaminade Male Athlete of the Year. And in his junior senior seasons of high school, Matt, 126 receptions for over 2,400 yards and 24 touchdowns. He will not pop in any production model because of the system and the limits on catches that he had but we must look at him from a skills and size analysis. 
209 pounds. He has NFL traits, Matt. He suffered a season-ending injury in 2020, which also hurts his career stats. But he was named the Team Technician of the Year winner. He is a good route runner, but he's limited by the scheme at Stanford. He only played four games in 2021, coming back from the injury, but his teammates named him team captain in 2022. He was a three-time All-Pac-12 academic honor roll. This young man is impressive. I think he goes on day three late, round six or seven, and he'll be hanging around NFL rosters for a long time, Matt. All right, John, finishing it up with our slot receiver of the episode. We're going to go with Trey Palmer out of Nebraska. Folks might remember Trey Palmer started his journey uh, at LSU, transferred to Nebraska here. I think there's a lot to like about Trey Palmer, especially from an NFL context. I think Trey Palmer is going to be a valuable piece of an offense. I think we probably have to proceed with realistic expectations in terms of what a traditional slot receiver can put out for fantasy football output. And Palmer is your traditional slot receiver. So, you know, it's not this big slot that's become very popular in the NFL and we love for fantasy purposes. He's going to pretty much work the bottom third of the field, right? So we're talking 5 to 10 to 12 yards off the line of scrimmage really looking at Trey Palmer, running an effective out route, running an effective drag. He's got a good curl route, okay? He's sure-handed, and if you put that ball on target, he's going to catch that ball. Even if he's working in traffic, he's going to catch that ball. You put that ball off target, he doesn't really have that same frame that we're talking about for some of these other guys where he's able to, to you know, extend and make a highlight reel-type catch. But he can uh, work through his routes with convincing footworks, he doesn't allow DBs to jump his routes. I talked about, uh, you know, when I mentioned that, that ability to work in traffic. He's going to he's gonna win that ball. He's aggressive. He fights for it. He has good body positioning. Uh, and after the catch, he can scrap and get a couple extra yards. So, you know, if you loved Kyle Phillips last year, Trey Palmer might be a guy that you're into this year, a similar skill set, not exactly the same. But I do think Palmer's going to go to the Senior Bowl. He's going to get some hype. He's going to still end up being a day three selection, but he's going to be a, a key part of an NFL offense. How good was Trey Palmer after transferring from LSU, Matt? We've got to put in context, he couldn't get on the field at LSU. And we know how good that depth chart is for the Tigers. He comes to the Big Ten and immediately for Nebraska just dominates in the passing game. 71 catches for 1,043 yards and nine touchdowns. He was second team all Big Ten, third team all Big Ten by the coaches, so he impressed the national media and the coaching staffs in the conference. He was Nebraska's student scholar athlete in the spring of 2022. He set numerous Nebraska records, Matt. Most receiving yards in a season this year, receiving yards in a game with 237 at Purdue. In high school, he was a number 20 prospect in the nation and a five-star recruit, and he couldn't get on the field for the Tigers. So he made a business decision and played for the Cornhuskers. He was a track standout. He won the 100-meter state title as a senior from Louisiana, and he played for the Tigers for three seasons. Matt, he definitely looks like a slot receiver, maybe a Z, but he could also help you on kick and punt returns. Trey Palmer is a day three selection. 
He looks like a fourth or at best a third receiver on an NFL team. John, there it is, our eight wide receivers here. We will be back with part two where we're going to break down our Zs and an extra slot receiver for, for good measure here. I'm going to be direct, folks. If you are listening to an entire episode breaking down senior bowl wide receiver prospects, you are the, the level of fantasy football player that needs the rookie big board. You need access to our full rankings, to our Discord to chop it up here in full player profiles, as well as, John, the 2023 Rookie Draft Guide, which is going to be over 100 pages. Head on over now, patreon.com slash rookie big board, and you get full access for that for just $3. As always, we appreciate you checking out this episode of the Rookie Big Board.